Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Hey Kerwin, where you have the questions and I give the answers. What have we got, Timmy? Who are we hearing from today? Okay, so first up is Chris Preston on Instagram. Chris. What do you do when your partner feels neglected as you are busting your ass for a better future for the both of you, but they sometimes fail to see the vision? Ah, wow. If I had a dollar coin. (laughs) (laughs) Look, that's a tough one, you know, because um, it's just a tough one. And I don't have the perfect answer for it, but what I do have is this, is love languages. Um, Look, I'm sure your partner, look, there's two things here. There's heard, uh, there's time, and there's love languages. First and foremost, well, let's talk heard, because sometimes we need to, well, not sometimes, one of the things we need to understand, one of the most important decisions that you'll ever make is the decision about who you spend your time with. And the most important decision you'll ever make is the person who takes that that intimate, intimate occupancy space, because that person is fundamentally gonna have the greatest sway over the herd related behaviors. Because we're all, we're mammals, okay, and as a result of being a mammal, we, we, we actually look for indications, contraindications from other mammals as to whether or not our behavior is acceptable. And when you surround yourself, and let's say you're this aspiring entrepreneur and you wanna go out there and you, know, you wanna get shit, but you're surrounded by people who don't, they're gonna see your behaviors as in some cases threatening because they're gonna be counter, you know, they're gonna be counter to the behaviors of that herd, that social group. And so they'll start saying things like, why are you working so hard? Don't work so hard. Well, well, don't you know that money is the root of all evil? You know, they'll start literally flicking that kind of shit at you because they don't want you to be anything different than what the rest of the herd is like. And they'll start pulling you back from the herd. Now, if you're surrounding yourself with a high performance herd and you're not a high performer and you decide to, you know, check out early or eat crap food, they'll be the people saying, hey, what are you doing? Why are you eating shit food? Come on, man. You know, if you want to conquer the world, you're going to need a lot of energy. So you may as well be eating some clean food. Come on, man. What are you finishing work? It's 430, dude. You've got at least another two hours of work in you. They'll be doing, you know, correcting with those types of behaviors. Now, when we start looking at the intimate occupancy of the herd, we start talking about that person who's right beside you. Now you've got this, the intimacy herd and the intimacy heard is typically two people deep depending on your preferences for relationships Um, and so they are going to have huge implications so there's two things you got to be aware of number one are they correcting me because my behavior is threatening or are they correcting me because either because my behavior is either threatening or because they're not necessarily giving the time or the level of love that they need to experience in order to feel safe because see one of the things that I've learned about relationships is as relationships require a certain amount of time and a certain amount of love in order for the individual on the other side to feel content. And content can be safe, it can be whatever you wanna call it. And in order to maximize the amount of time or maximize the amount of contentment, you need to know the language that you should be speaking to meet the needs of the person you're in an intimate relationship. First and foremost, you wanna make sure you're not in a relationship with someone that is threatened by your desire for success. Because if you are, you got bigger problems. And if they are, then you got one or two options. Actually, you got three options, number one, you can set an example that they all want to follow and then hopefully they will correct their own behaviors and want to change their own ways and become more of a performance orientated herd member. Number two, you can say, get on my back and come with me and you can try and carry them, you know, despite the fact that they probably don't want to come. Despite the fact that they're, they're happy like that, they don't want to. And that is a recipe for fucking disaster. And the third option that you have, okay, is you can actually separate yourself from that herd Okay, and you can actually go and forge your own herd. Go and find or forge your own herd. Now that can have two reactions. That can have the reaction whereby that person goes, well, hang on, that person meant so much to me that I don't want to lose them, that I'm actually willing to adjust. And it's not about changing for that person. It's about, you know what, maybe I need to become 
more open. Maybe I need to become more accepting. Maybe I need to become a better human being if I want to stay in a relationship with this person and therefore they actually rise to the occasion through that experience and they become more aligned energetically, psychologically and heard behaviorally in order to be with that person ongoing. Uh, or the other option of that is they don't. They go and they go and find another herd member that makes them safe, that is at the same baseline of ambition and motivation that they're at. However, once you are in the situation where you're like, well, I'm in a relationship, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna dump the broad. You know, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to work with it. You gotta try and maximize the amount of contentment, maximize. See, for me, one of the things that I know is you gotta fill their cup up. This is like with Noah, right? Here's one of the things that I know. Perfect, perfect metaphor. Okay, so having a kid is like having a partner on steroids. Like these little fuckers are needy. They need you 24-7, but they, they're not needy as in they're trying to be needy. They are literally need you because if they don't have you, they fucking die. So it's a different form of neediness. But what I've learned is, is the importance of filling up their cup. So when Noah was really young, like his cup, his cup is still quite deep. And the way that I fill up his cup is by speaking his language. His language is typically monster trucks, okay, scooters, bikes uh, and playing uh, right now he's into pillow fights like big time pillow fights like I beat the crap out of the poor little kid and he just giggles himself <laughs> stupid but the more I do that with him the more it fills his cup up to the point where I keep going 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 and all of a sudden he goes right okay I've had enough daddy I'm gonna go and toddle off and play cards by myself because I fill his cup up so much that it gets to a point where he feels comfortable to be independent because he's now content. He feels safe, he feels nurtured. Now, people are often very the same. Now, if people's cup is endless, that's not a, it's not a, the, the, what we call that is codependence. And codependence is whereby when people have no bottom to their cup, no matter how much you pour in there, okay, they don't get full. But what you wanna be able to do is when you're filling up their cup, you need to know what their language is. Now, there's a great book called The Love Languages Book, uh, and it talks about the four love languages. Fuck, I better get this right. Uh, and one is um, uh, acts of service. The other one is time. The other one is gifts. And the other one is, Timmy? I resume yes, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation. So physical touch, words of affirmation. What the other one? Uh, acts of service. Acts of service. And receiving gifts. And receiving gifts. And everyone's love language is different and you can go to the like the four love languages website and you can actually take the t take the test in fact everyone should do that just go and go to love languages what's the website www.5lovelanguages.com oh the five love languages not the four the five love languages.com do the test get your partner to do the test and then learn what their language is and then just start fucking communicating their language um you know and find out is it actually because here's the thing that i learned you know by love languages is with almost every relationship i've been in my love language has been different to the, the, the love language of the individual that I've been with. And so as a result, you've got two people that can spend a lot of time together, but they don't feel loved because they're, they're talking in two very different languages. So you will often find that you can actually, in some cases, spend less time with the individual, but if you're talking their language, you'll fill their cup up faster, and then they'll feel more confident in the independent time they have apart. It's just like the Noah analogy. The more I fill his cup up using the right language, the quicker I get to that point where he's happy to go and play independently on his own and I can go and do the washing, I can wash the dishes, I can you know, go and clean house, I can do the things that are required because if I don't fill his cup up, he wants to be around me 24-7. If he wants to be around me 24-7, I've got no time to do the washing, do the folding, do the everything else. I've given you a lot of information here. Who was it, what was the dude's name? This was Chris. Chris, I've given you a lot of information here to, to, to think about. But you know, look at the social compatibility when it comes to the herd, when it comes to the ambition. Look at what it is that you need, the decisions you need to make around that. Look at also the languages and the amount of time that you spend 
talking to her in her language and filling her cup up so that when she does have independence, when you do need to go out and conquer the world, she's going to be more supportive in doing that. Hope that helps. Good luck, Chris. Blake built homes on Instagram. Blake built homes. Asks, how do you know the line between giving away free valuable content and people starting to take advantage of you? There is no line. I give away I give away 98% of everything. 100%. 100%. Look, literally, we give away... The, and like the only thing we give almost, I'd say 99%. I mean, I edit the content. Yeah. We go through every single event. We do. So we give away 98.99.8% of everything because there's a couple of percent that I hold back uh, for my uh, for my paying clients. But literally, I just don't have that mentality. Like to me, it always works out in the wash. Like you know, because per- perfect example. And I only had a guy last week who was like, "Oh man, you give away so much free stuff. Uh, do you ever literally do you ever feel like people take advantage?" I was like, "Well, no, because it always works out in the wash." You know, I was at the, the beach, I was doing a workout in Bondi on Sunday and uh, literally I got introduced to someone who was a big fan, raging fan, and then they asked for my details because they want me to come and speak for their organisation. And I was like, ROI positive, right there. Okay, then I literally, not even 20 minutes later, I'm sitting in a restaurant having, did, did I tell you this? Yeah. I did yeah. tell you this, right. Having uh, lunch at a restaurant, then another dude comes up and goes, oh, I'm a huge fan, you know, I'd, I'd love to become, you know, a client for one of your high-end programs, you know, here are my details. And so for me, I don't know, this, it just always works out. Uh, there's just balance is just constant and if you to me the only thing that is unbalanced in this scenario is the question which is what was the, the finish of the question are you ever worried people take advantage of you yeah what well, do you know the line but there is no giving line. Valuable content you just give 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 and the people that want it will take it okay and the people that will reciprocate will but the balance will always be there but if there's one thing I will say you've got to have a commercial structure set up to support the reception and the receiving when it comes to time. When, when the time comes for you to receive, okay, when the time comes for you to receive, that is when you've got to have that commercial framework around you. That is when you've got to be ready to be able to receive uh, in the financial context of you know, transacting and doing business. But the, the only time I see people getting taken advantage of, and it's not being taken advantage of, it's just a lack of business experiences where they're giving, 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 but they don't have any commercial framework around them. So when the reciprocal uh, benefit comes back, they don't have any mechanisms to catch it. They don't have any mechanisms to transact. And as a result, you know, they can feel a little bit taken advantage of. For me, I have good commercial structures in place. I could be a shit ton better, but I have good commercial structures in place. And so for me, it's just making sure that I do that the right way and have the commercial structures in place and have the, the right systems in place so that when the reciprocal energy comes back, that you can capture it in the form of first name, email, mobile phone, engagement, and then ultimately conversation, communication, relationship, trust, and then transaction. It's really quite simple. But uh, when you believe in abundance, there is no line. There is just nothing but give. Jamie Parga. Jamie Parda. Yeah, Parga. Parda. Yeah, it's P-A-G-A. Yeah, just Jamie. Jamie. Looking back when Noah was first born, what Mm. advice would you give a soon-to-be dad? Oh, my God. I am so grateful for that kid for so many reasons. The advice, get your shit in order. Get your shit in order. Because for me, when I found out my wife was pregnant, I literally started burning midnight oils. Like literally started working overtime, started doing everything I could, not because I wanted to do anything other than go, well, I've got to work before the child comes, I need to get everything ready. No, 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 it wasn't about that. It was about how do I set my life up so that I could be a dad and an entrepreneur? 
See, I'm not one of these guys that wants to you know, have someone take my kid to school, have someone pick up my kid for school, and if I'm lucky, maybe just see them on the weekends or on holidays. Like, you know, for me, you know, and being separated makes that a little bit difficult. But when I have my son, I want to take him to school in the morning. Okay, I want to be coming home at a reasonable hour. I want to be playing with him for you know, two, three hours in the evening and having dinner with him and having conversations with him and you know, spending weekends with him and going to swimming lessons and going to jujitsu with him. So that stuff's important for me. So when I actually found out that my wife was, uh, was pregnant, I actually went into overtime to set the business up to be streamlined so that I could be focusing predominantly on the things that made me most productive. Like having a child made me so productive. Like it, it really made me focus on what was important and what was this noise. And so for me, the best piece of advice that I can give you is get your house in order now. You've got nine months to get your shit together to streamline your levels of productivity and efficiency. And now, one of the other things I'm grateful for, like one of the reasons I can do like four days worth of work in one day now is because of Noah, because he taught me how to become productive. You know, but just really tap into that and just don't waste the opportunity. But again, it's all based on values, right? Because if being a dad, and I'm gonna assume being a dad is important to you because otherwise you wouldn't have asked that question, but maybe you're just doing it because it looks good socially, I don't know. But what I will say is that but if you genuinely have a value on being a good father, you will do whatever it takes to make sure that you have the time available for your child. Okay, which means you will set the business up, you will set the things up, you will be prioritize your plan, you will do everything like a mother, but if you're not, then you won't. The proof will be in the pudding. But if there's one piece of advice that I'll really lean on here, is just get your house in order. Get your house in order and get ready because the first six weeks, you're gonna to wanna to be there as much as possible. Uh, and then the first forever, you know, you're gonna to wanna to be as present as possible. And that means having a level of balance which will never exist in complete perfection, but will be supported by the ability for you to be productive and be focusing on the things that give you maximum return for your time. It's all about time. Mm. I was about to say, you got a great video on that. How do kids spell love? How do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Timmy. Fuck. Final question. Um, Michelle or Michelle or Michelle on Facebook? Michelle. Why do mistakes feel like failure to some of us? I grew up dreading mistakes, putting so much pressure on myself to execute everything to the best of my abilities. Look, the reason that mistakes feel like failure is because of the way that you've been conditioned and taught. It's the references that you've pulled on and drawn on from your external world. It's the, then the autonomous meanings that you've then attached to the mistakes that have come forward. I get it. I used to do it, but now I don't because I understand mistakes are like pain. It's required to become resilient. Okay, mistakes are, you know, because with, imagine a world where there was no mistakes. We would all be fucking, um, I don't even know what the world is. It wouldn't exist. It'd be a dystopia. It would be a dystopia, but you'd be these minions that, these lifeless minions that did nothing, you know? Because mistakes exist for me by virtue of three factors. It gives, introduces a factor of skill, knowledge, or experience. Those three factors are what are required as a result of a mistake. Because when a mistake is made, it is simply indicating a lack of skill, a lack of knowledge, or a lack of experience in most cases. And that mistake is there by virtue to highlight what skill, what knowledge, what experience is lacking. So you can then go out and go, right, I need to acquire this skill, this knowledge, this experience, and you can acquire it and then you can move to the next level. To me, it's just about your relationship with failure and your relationship with mistakes and understanding that the failure is not a bad thing, it's a great thing. And then you can either tell yourself that a failure is bad and beat yourself up and that will be your experience. Or every time you fail, you can start to condition yourself to go, 
Failure is good. Failure is a good thing. What skills, what knowledge, experience? What, what's the benefit of this? What skills, knowledge, experience am I gaining as a result of this? And how am I going to be able to use that to make me better, faster, stronger, fitter, you know, more intelligent moving forward? And if you can keep doing that continuously, 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 you know, much like you saw with Eric in the early days of the social experiment, I had to fucking beat the crap out of him because he constantly saw failure as a bad thing. I'd give him a piece of feedback and he'd go, ah, and I'd go, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, I just made a mistake. And I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, it was a bad thing. I was like, no, motherfucker. Mistakes are a good thing. Every time I give you a piece of feedback, you should be going, yes, oh my God, I've got another code, I've got another digit to the fucking lock that is life. And the more mistakes you make, the more pieces of code that you get, the more digits you get, the easier life becomes and life just gets great. Mistakes are the key. Mistakes are the key to life. Failure is the key to life. Just change your perspective, change the meaning and ask better questions. What is the benefit of this? How is this serving me? What skills, knowledge, experience am I getting as a result of this that will make me better, sharper, faster, stronger, fitter, more wise tomorrow that I wasn't yesterday that will make me even better? Just, yeah, it's amazing. Mistakes to bomb. Amen, sister. Amen. All right, that's it. That's Episode 28. Pow! Of the Hey Kerwin Show. For those of you who have any questions for Hey Kerwin, please use the hashtag Kapow. Hashtags, I like hashtags. Do you know why I like hashtags so much? Why? Because they look like waffles. Use the hashtag, <laughs> hey Kerwin, ask your questions about life, love, parenting, business, sales, sportology. I don't even know what that is. Anything you want to know, let me ask the question. Only if I know it. If I don't know it, I'm not going to answer it. But uh, and I won't even make it up. Let me know what your questions are. But the question of the day, what is your love language? Ooh. I would really like to know. We'll go and take the test. We'll even, we won't put the link in, but we'll actually flash the link up. It's right here, fivelovelanguages.com. Go and take the test and come back and let me know what is your love language and I'll see if I can't communicate to you in your style and fill your cup up. <laughs> that was episode 28 of the Hey Kerwin Show. Till next time, say hi to your mum for me. Thanks for listening to Hey Kerwin. If you would like your questions answered, don't forget to use the hashtag Hey Kerwin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.